0: Jesus is the true vine, and as the true vine, he calls those that belong to him to abide in him. This week, we examine John 15, how that Jesus is the true vine, and we must abide in him. I'm Noah Hooper, and this is the Taught by Grace podcast. We've reached the final I Am declaration of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Most of the I Am statements thus far have examined a truth about Jesus and His salvation. This final statement, however, is a bit different from the rest. Most of the others have been about trusting in the sufficiency of Jesus, whether in salvation or as we looked at last week, just trusting Him with a troubled heart. But this is a revelation of what it looks like when His sufficiency is demonstrated in the life of a believer. I'll give you the bottom line up front before we unpack these few verses in John 15. Jesus is the only one that can produce anything in us and through us of spiritual value. We are completely incapable of producing lasting fruit in our own strength. Without Him, we can do nothing. Therefore, we must abide in Him. He is the producer of life. but We are merely the conduits through which His life flows into and out of. He is the vine, and we are the branches. So let's examine this passage today, John 15, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. In the first verse, Jesus declares a truth about both himself and the Father. He says, I am the true vine. Jesus is proclaiming that he is the source in this verse. He is not a product, but he is the producer. He is the true vine. This is the analogy that Jesus uses throughout this whole section that we are looking at today. He compares himself to a vine and his followers to branches. Essentially, Jesus declares that it is from and through him we live and move and have our being. As the vine, Jesus is the all-sufficient producer of life. The adjective true declares that he is genuine. There are many who may have come and gone that had proclaimed they could produce and provide life, but they were all nothing but phonies. Jesus unapologetically asserts that he is the real deal. He is the true source of life and vitality. And we'll see more about this as we examine the relationship of the branches to the vine in the moment. But first notice the uh, relation to the father to the vine. He says, and my father is the husbandman. In, the, in this vineyard, Jesus is the vine and the father is the husbandman. The husband was a vine dresser. He took care of the vine and the branches. This is the work of God the Father in the vineyard. He prunes fruitful branches and removes unnecessary branches from the vine. He is the caretaker of the vineyard. Notice his twofold work in verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. He removes the unfruitful branches and purges or prunes the fruitful branches. Notice the removal of unfruitful branches. No doubt this verse has been taken when he says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. No doubt this verse has been taken to mean by some that those in Christ can lose their salvation if they are not producing a certain amount of fruit. But that is not the purpose of this passage. It is not about security, but about usefulness. The branch is already in him, therefore he cannot be taken out of him. However, if the branch does not produce fruit, it will become less useful for Christ. The Christian that is not bearing fruit becomes useless as a branch that does not bear fruit. It has no real purpose. This is the point of verse 6 as well when he says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Essentially what Jesus is saying is that those who do not abide in him will not produce fruit. Therefore, they are not of much value to the vine. The branch apart from the vine is utterly useless. It cannot produce fruit because fruit is only produced by the vine producing life through the branch. If the branch is not producing fruit, it is cut off from the vine because it is not providing value. Now, I'll be honest. there, are, These are two difficult verses. There are different interpretations that this is about the person who uh, appears to be a believer but is really not, so their end is destruction. Also, this could be about the believer who does not abide in Christ. Therefore, they become useless for the cause of Christ and may eventually result in a premature death. There's a bit of mystery involved in this, but the main point of this is that abiding is essential. What Jesus is asserting in this is that if you are in me, you must abide, as we will see further emphasized throughout this passage. So the Father, as the vine dresser, removes the unfruitful branches and prunes the fruitful ones. Notice the latter part of verse 2. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that may bring forth more fruit. The branches that are bearing fruit are purged by the Father. The word purged here gives the same idea of pruning. For instance, every year my mimal asked me to prune back the grapevines. When I first started doing this, she had to lead me into how to do this. And the gist of what she said was just prune them back as far as you want and they're going to come back. Every year that's exactly what happens. The grapevines get, get pruned back or cut back and they grow out with no problem at all. We have to prune the grapevines to remove unnecessary dead branches because if not, the life of the vine will be going into the branches that produce that do not produce fruit. We have to cut back so those that are producing fruit can grow more. This is what the Father must do with those that produce fruit. He has to purge us and remove that which is unnecessary. Essentially, He takes away that which hinders us from abiding in Jesus. This may not be necessarily sinfulness, which has to be purged, or it could be having our hearts set in the wrong places. He has to purge us because we must abide in Jesus. The Father has to remove that which is unnecessary so that we can abide in Him more. Pruning only comes for that which is growing and has the potential to grow more. He purges us so that we can grow more. Jesus speaks of the purging work of the Father, but also of the cleansing work of his word in verse 3. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. To the disciples he declared that they were clean because of the word he had spoken to them. Pruning or purging is a more aggressive action, but cleansing is gentler. This reveals that we do not always need to be purged, but we are also cleansed through the word that he gives. He washes us and purifies us by his truth. There are a couple of foundational These are a couple of foundational elements about this vineyard, but what is the purpose of Jesus in this? He calls his disciples to abide in him. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye accept ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. It is important to recognize that Jesus does not call the disciples to action in this, but first to abide. He is building up a foundation in their lives that unless they abide, all of their works would be vanity. The truth is that these disciples had much in front of them that they would do. They had much work that they would do. These men would be the leaders of the early church. Peter would preach on Pentecost and 3000 would be saved. Multiple books of the New Testament would be written and countless lives would be changed because of the work God would use these men in. However, before they would ever be able to do any of that, Jesus first asserts to them that an abiding relationship with him is of utmost importance. His command is simple, abide in me and I in you. This is a practical demonstration of the illustration he was using to describe the vine's relationship to the branch. It is one of union. The branch does not come to the vine for nourishment and then detach itself. But if it will live, it must stay in a constant state of connection to the vine. So it was for the disciples then and us today. Jesus called them to abide in him and he in them. He will further elaborate on how in a moment, but he first asserts a reason why they must abide. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except, Ye abide in me. The purpose of a branch is to bear fruit. No matter how large or long it grows, the ultimate purpose of that branch is to produce fruit. An apple branch is to give apples, a grapevine is to produce grapes, and a fig bush figs. If it doesn't produce fruit, it has lost its purpose. But that branch cannot produce fruit in its own power or strength. It is completely incapable of producing apples, grapes, or figs apart from its relation to the source of life. This is the same for us. Our purpose is to produce fruit that glorifies and honors God, but we cannot unless we abide in Jesus. He emphasizes this call to abide a bit more in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Jesus reminds the disciples of who he is and who they are. He is the vine and they are the branches. These branches have one job, and that is to stay connected to the vine. So it was for the disciples, and it is for us today. We are the branches that must abide in Jesus because we are called to produce fruit and cannot unless we abide in Him. And the result of abiding in Him is much fruit. Those that abide in Jesus will bring forth much fruit. Through abiding in Jesus, we can live a fruitful life for the glory of God. It is He who produces that in and through us. But he is not lacking in what he produces, but he produces much fruit through those who abide in him. And Jesus, again, emphasizes the importance of why they must abide in the latter part of verse five and why we must abide today. For without me, ye can do nothing. The reason that abiding in Christ is so important is because without him, we can do nothing. This is a reminder that anything of eternal value that is accomplished is done by and through Jesus. This is why we must abide. However, we, and I know that I have a problem. We understand academically how we can do nothing apart from Jesus. However, practically, we live as if we can. We know how to act. We know how to conduct church services, preach messages, and teach lessons. We know how to run rest home ministry, Sunday school, and go out on visitation. We even know how to produce results through our own strength and power. And though all of these activities are good, the problem is that we have done them by ourselves. We take these activities and lay them at the feet of Jesus, and they become nothing more but burnt hay and stubble. Our business is worthless apart from Jesus, from abiding in Jesus. You can please men, you can receive the applause of the masses, you, but you will not glorify the Father unless it comes from abiding in Jesus. We must get back to recognizing our absolute impotence apart from Jesus. We can do and say the right things. Therefore, we live as if we do not need Jesus. So in this, Jesus is lovingly calling us to abide in him. He reminds us that we are completely powerless apart from him. The branch cannot produce fruit once severed from the vine. It may look alive for a moment, but the reality is that the branch was dead the moment it was removed from the vine. So are we when we live apart from Jesus. We can do nothing apart from him, but thankfully by abiding in him, we can produce much fruit for the glory of God. How then can we abide? Jesus doesn't just leave the message here, but he goes on to show them how to abide. The first aspect of this has already been emphasized, and that is that we must recognize our insufficiency and Christ's sufficiency. If we are ever to abide we must have a right understanding that we cannot do anything without him, but that it is through him that fruit can only be produced. To truly abide in Jesus, we have to get to the place that we cannot do ministry. We cannot live, move, eat, or drink apart from abiding in him. It is when we recognize that we have no ability to do anything. Nay, we have no ability to truly live unless we live from the life of Christ in us by abiding in him. For it is by him that we live and move and have our being. Abiding begins with this understanding. But then Jesus gives a very practical way to abide in verse 7. Are you ready for this really deep truth? It is the word and prayer. Notice verse 7 If ye abide in me, my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. We must dwell in the word and prayer. We abide in Jesus primarily through abiding in his word in prayer. It's amazing how simple and yet difficult this is. Jesus isn't mysterious in his commands, but he is clear that abiding comes through the word of God. This is a command that we see all throughout scripture. Joshua eight says to meditate therein day and night. Psalm two says that the righteous man's delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Colossians 3.16 calls us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Now these are just a few references, but the scriptures are crystal clear. We must let the word of God dwell in us. This is how we abide in him. And when we do, there will be a fruitful prayer life as pointed out in the end of verse 7. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So Jesus calls his disciples then to abide and he calls you and I to abide today. We do not need any new revelation of how to. The simple truth is that we must get back to abiding in him through recognizing our inability apart from him. We must get back to abiding in him through the word and prayer. And by the way, abiding, it is not just in our devotional time, though that is essential. But the fact of the matter is that abiding requires time. And if we are ever to abide in Christ, we must learn how to set aside time to dwell in his word, to dwell in prayer. Because if we're going to abide in him throughout the rest of our day, it's going to begin by us beginning by spending time with him. But the problem is, if you're anything like me, you know how to be busy. You know how to work. You know how to get things done. You know, have all of these things that you have to accomplish. And when you sit down and take time to spend time with him, to walk with him, to abide in him, your flesh begins to rise up and says, there are more important things that could be done. There are more things that we must accomplish. You don't have time for this. But can I tell you today that there is nothing more productive, there is nothing more important in our lives than to abide in Jesus. For we can do nothing of any eternal value unless we abide in Him. At first it may seem unproductive, but there is nothing more productive, there is nothing more powerful in our lives than abiding in Him. I am convinced that if we abide in Jesus, every other aspect of our lives as Christians will be right. Because it is from the Word that we see how to live and it is from prayer that we unite our hearts with Him. And it is in that, That if we abide in him, it is then we will know how to live. We will know how to walk. We will know how to do church, how to witness, how to pray, how to do all of these things. But it comes from abiding in him. There is nothing more important than this in our daily lives as Christians. We must abide. And it is when we abide that we produce much fruit and the Father is glorified. Notice verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, and so, so shall ye be my disciples. The Father is glorified in our abiding, because we produce much fruit in that abiding. Now there is so much more that could be addressed from this chapter, because Jesus points out that some of this fruit being love and joy. There's so much truth that is addressed that comes out of abiding. But I'll conclude with this. This last I Am Declaration is a promise that Jesus will produce life through us. We can do nothing apart from him, but in this, Christ reminds us that we don't have to live without him. He tells us, you can do nothing without me, but he says, I am the true vine. He says, I am the source of your life. He is the one that lives in us. He is our life, and he produces us through us. He says, you can't do anything, but look at me. I can I can produce that. I can do this through you. I can produce life through you. We must just abide. Abiding is a lifestyle. It begins with us recognizing we can do nothing. Then we must abide in His Word and abide in prayer. There's nothing really more basic than this, but there's nothing more important than this. Because it is from this that everything else comes. If we will live that Colossians 3 lifestyle of setting our on things above, of putting to death the deeds of the flesh, of being rightly related one to another, if we will live that kind of life, we must abide. Because it is when we abide that the life of Christ is produced through us and that he uses us to produce much fruit for the glory of God. And by the way, when we abide, that doesn't mean we stop working, but abiding produces work that is worth it. It is from our abiding relationship in Jesus that He produces fruit in us. It is then we can truly live live for His glory because we come from abiding in Him. So this is abiding in Christ because He is the true vine. He produces His life in and through us. So let us abide in Him. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Talk by Grace podcast.